Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hello and welcome back to another audio exclusive podcast. My name is Katie and as ever I'm joined by Tommy and today we're going to have a little chinwag about some F1 news that's been happening over the last few days. But before we get into that, Tommy, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, Spanish Grand Prix coming up, a little bit of a, a break, but yeah, I'm good. Although we had, we did have quite a bit of stuff like IndyCar and Formula yeah. E and all sorts, so not not without motorsport. It was a very busy weekend for motorsport, and I was able to enjoy as much of it as I could, which was a lovely treat. Um, so as you said, it's the Spanish Grand Prix this weekend, which maybe we can talk a little bit about towards the end of the podcast. But let's first start about another piece of motorsport action that was going on this weekend. And that was the Monaco historic, which is an annual, I think it used to be every two years. It used to alternate with Formula E, I know that much, but now I think it's every year. And it's basically a load of classic cars going around Monaco. It sounds like my idea of heaven. And one guy who wanted to get involved in it all was Charles Leclerc. He obviously is from Monaco, so it's just on his doorstep. And he got the opportunity to drive one of Nicky Lauda's XF1 cars, the Ferrari 312 or 312, however you wish to pronounce it. And oh my goodness, Tommy, he had an absolute nightmare. He's going to be having like waking up in a hot, like cold sweat in the middle (laughs) of the night thinking about this, reliving this moment because he crashed it. The memes, it just had to happen, didn't it? I mean, I feel so bad, but tell, like, tell, tell everyone, go on, tell everyone your story. My what did you, what did you do? Tell, tell all the listeners. <sighs> okay. Listeners just like to apologize in advance. I will be taking Charlotte Clerk's name out my mouth because this is now the second time within like a few weekends that I've jinxed him really bad. I had the Monaco historic on all day in the background waiting for uh, Charles's run. And I said, oh my goodness, if he bins this Ferrari, we are set for life on WTF1. Like the views are going to be insane. And then his brakes failed and he went (laughs) into the wall. And I was like, oh my goodness. Like it was a proper Michael Scott, like, oh my God, it's happening. It's happening. Everybody stay calm. (laughs) You just just messaged me. Uh, I'll try and find what you messaged me if it's appropriate to you might have to share. bleep some of it yeah, out. Yeah, I was, was going to say, it might not even be. There. I think it was just like in massive capital letters because we were watching it. I kind of had it on the background, was about to to go out. And uh, yeah, just typical that um, he did it. When he when he went into that corner as well, oh, I was so like, quick. yeah, um, he was going very quick. I thought, because we didn't know about the brakes at first, and I was like, why has he gone into Raskas like quicker than his 2022 F1 car would? He's just absolutely like gone in. Uh, yeah, you just messaged me S word in capital letters, Leclerc effing binned it. Um, and yeah, it was uh, quite, quite the thing. You just couldn't write it for the memes. You know, the fact that Leclerc has this, whether you call it a curse or um, I guess incompetence isn't fair because uh 
one of them was his, well, two of them are his fault at Monaco, right? Uh, 2021 was his fault. 2020 was his fault as well, although he was coming through the field after a bad thing. Uh, And then the other times, uh, he he crashed in 2018, uh, yeah, 2018 when he was uh, racing for Sauber. Uh, his brakes failed then as well. So he's had a bit of a history of brakes failed and he's never finished an F2 race there. So he has never finished a race at Monaco and now he's not even finished a blooming demo lap, lap around Monaco. Like what? <laughs> what on earth what has, he has done this guy got in, to like, do? A previous life to be cursed like this. And it's going to be one of those things where, you know, Everybody jokes about the curse. Even Charles himself was joking about the curse. But that's got to be lodged somewhere in your brain. Like when he goes to Monaco in a few weeks' time for the F1, you just know all the journalists, one, are going to bring up this, two, bring up the fact, you have never scored here, Charles, don't forget it. And like that's going to be lodged in his brain somewhere. I know that, you know, these drivers have got like um, trainers and they can train their brain, if that makes sense yeah but you know like look after them and their psychology and stuff but it it will be there I guarantee it'll be there niggling away in the back of his mind even if he's you know leading in the race on like a few weeks time he'll be thinking is final lap don't bin it don't bin it don't bin it oh gosh but yeah what an absolute nightmare and um somebody actually pointed out because we did an article on it last year that he's not the first driver to have had an issue with this ferrari at the monaco historic because jean alacy also crashed the same car this time last year so clearly whoever gets the keys to the wagon is just in for a bad time because it's just not got a good track record around here. So I saw a funny comment on, I think it was on our Facebook and uh, I think it was someone alluding to the fact that um, other, other drivers, Max being one of them think. Uh, was how, it your um, comment? <laughs> no, no. Uh, Sebastian Vettel was another one uh, when he was back in the day of like people crashing a lot, get like crash nicknames and Leclerc, yeah. uh, doesn't have one and then someone replied saying la crash and then someone then replied saying that's funny because it's an anagram of Charles so uh oh, that was quite yeah. amusing but yeah back to back to that car I do love Monaco strike if you've not seen it before um it is always sad when when you know you've been uh not not priceless but a very expensive and classic Ferrari but however it's really cool that they race them and if you've ever watched it you know you've got cars from like the 1950s that won formula one races and they're literally like wheel banging into corners and they don't care if they write off these cars um which i think is great because why have them just sat in a museum get them racing like that they were meant to do and uh it's really cool because I think it uh, could be wrong. I will look at this when you start talking. I'm pretty sure Adrian Newey, either himself, either him or someone was driving his car, but binned a Lotus, like a Jim Clark classic Lotus, mm. and absolutely right. annihilated it in uh, the Monaco no. historic. Um, but at the end of the day it's cool like that's what these guys should be doing and because it's because they're old as well it really emphasizes 
how the new cars are not suited for Monaco because they 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 have some great racing there. These old cars because they're so small and that yeah, it makes it makes like Monaco racing. look yeah. like a new tilt drone with like really wide, uh, <laughs> you know, wide track and stuff. No, well, while you look that up, um, yeah, it's got a lot of attention. We saw Max Verstappen on a balcony watching it, uh, so he was clearly interested. And then Tommy broke the internet by creating a meme of which it was Max Verstappen looking out and watching <laughs> Charles <laughs> in the wall. Um, so that did really well online. But yeah, poor Charles. Yeah, because Max he was there, wasn't afterwards. he? Yeah, he was. Charles tweeted afterwards, um, what did he say? Let me find the tweet. Also, I'm well aware, and people have commented on this, and I don't mind, but I alternate so much between calling Charles Charles or Charles or whatever it might be. At least I don't call him Chuck, eh? Like, um, Chuck. <laughs> uh, but, oh, no, I've put Chucking because I'm not concentrating onto my search. So he wrote, when you thought you already had all the bad luck of the world in Monaco and you lose the brakes into Rascas with one of the most iconic historical Ferrari Formula One cars and then an upside down smiley and like a gun emoji. So poor thing. And it's on 155,000 likes. So Jeez. absolute nightmare for Charles. <laughs> have you found what you're looking yeah, for? Yeah, I have. And what's really funny as well is that uh, so this is an article on WTF1 from 2014. Wow. Um, throw, proper throwback. And it says that, uh, yeah, Jim Clark's 1967 Lotus 49 got smashed up. But what's really funny um, is another car that crashed on that weekend because uh, it's mentioned in this article that I wrote was the Ferrari 312B. So that car has crashed no. in Monaco almost every year. That's got to um, be some sort of social graphic. Right yeah. There. It, it, it's um yeah that ferrari 312 has clearly been through a lot um because it, it, well, got, no ri- it, breaking. it got written off in 2014 uh alacy obviously crashed it last year leclerc crashed it this year so um yeah pretty uh i wonder how many times that's uh crashed before yeah. Oh my goodness. I wonder it's falling apart when Paula Clerk's going around the track. Right. So that was the Monaco historic. Really one of the things on my motorsport bucket list. I'd love to go there one yes, year. Yes. Let's do it. Uh, yeah. Deal. Um, next bit of news, which is something that got announced this morning, which is very exciting if you are Nick DeVries. Um, he is getting a chance at an FP1 running with Williams this weekend. So Nick DeVries, it might be a name that you've maybe heard of before, or if you've watched F2 or Formula E, you'll be very familiar with him. But he's a Dutch driver. He is the reigning Formula E champ. He also won the F2 championship in 2019. He's also the current reserve driver for Mercedes. But yeah, he's been doing some F1 running for Merck before, most recently at the postseason Abu Dhabi test last year. But I'm really excited to see Nick DeVries get a chance at an F1 weekend. This will be his debut over an F1 weekend. Um, what are your thoughts on young Nick DeVries? I think this is a little bit sus. Uh, and Sussy boy. Sussy boy. Um, <laughs> the fact that he is a Mercedes, I mean, Williams, uh, no offense to them all, but have about, 40 reserve drivers it seems yeah. or, or or just like there's loads of people that are like obviously they've got um they've got jack they've got nasani they've got jamie chadwick they've got logan Sargent, yeah. and they seem uh, they had done ticton before uh, all these drivers on the books and they're letting nick devries drive in fp1 
could that be because they're wanting to uh, test what he's like as a potential replacement? Because we have there has been a lot of strong rumours that Nicholas Latifi, they're starting to get a little bit fed up, fed up with him, maybe. Well, oh. yeah, I could say fed up with him. And um, let's be honest as well, like Williams aren't in that position that they once were, where money was like incredibly tight and they have to go for a pay driver. And, you know, maybe they've seen Alex Albon's performances and goes, you know what? we're better off just actually being good and getting points rather than, you know, wow. having money. I know it's pretty that's savage. Crazy but, concept. <laughs> um, yeah. But that is F1. Um, so, yeah, I think that maybe this is a little, little practice run. I am being Formula One Twitter and I am, I am overanalyzing this massively. I'm going to jump the gun and say that this is a little, literally a little test run for him, it, whether that's next year or, um later because there was rumors wasn't there about him actually doing it anyway yeah because I asked him when I went to the Formula E in London last year it was around the time that the Williams rumors were swirling so I said to him I was like what's the situation he was like I don't know where you guys get these rumors from because like I haven't been spoken to at all about it um it's just you didn't call him nowhere what did I call him you didn't call him Hun. No, because every time you said so bad, I didn't even realize I said it. <laughs> no, no, you didn't. Oh. I, I was, I was disappointed because normally when you're like, I'm going to go to Toto Wolf and say, "Listen here, hun." So I'm disappointed oh. to hear that when you actually interview drivers, you don't call them hun. I'm disappointed. I say, Hi, baby cakes. So talk to me about <laughs> that session. <laughs> I don't. I mean, that would keep it interesting, I guess. But no, you're I don't. A, I don't give any pet names to the drivers. Only behind their backs. No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but no, I asked Nick and he basically said, I've no idea where it's coming from. Um, so I was like, okay, you keep your cards to your chest, mate. Uh, but yeah, if this is part of uh, the new rule that was introduced in 2022, a rule that I am so here for, which is that now teams have to give, um, I think it's two drivers a shot through the uh, fp1 throughout the year so for each side of the garage so at some point lewis hamilton will miss out on fp1 because there'll be somebody in his car and vice versa but yeah i think this is really interesting tommy because as we said earlier nick devries and stoffel his teammate in formula e are both on the mercedes kind of list of potential people why would they not put him in a mercedes why are they putting him in a williams maybe they could Anyway, yeah. they, they could they could still do that, right? They put him in the Mercedes yeah. as well, which they might do. But yeah, it's interesting that I think there's, there is more to this than just Me it's a test. Yeah, Ooh, but I'd be really I'd be pleased for him. I think he um, he deserves a shot. I know a lot of people jump on the narrative that uh, he won the Formula Two Championship when maybe it wasn't as competitive as it yeah, could have Russell been. Russell Norris. Charles, like they'd all left by then, hadn't they? Yeah, however, he, yeah, and he was um, in that season, he was fourth uh, behind all those drivers and only 17 points off Lando in second. So he wasn't doing badly. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger 
for the ones who get it done. Uh, so, yeah, it'd be interesting to, to see. And uh, however much I think Nicholas Latifi seems like the loveliest guy in the world, uh, he's had a poor season. And uh, if Williams don't need the money, then they are right to pursue uh, looking into a driver that's going to, you know, get the points because that's exactly what Albon's done this year and gone. I know this car's absolutely awful, but would you like some points? I'll dye my hair red. Here you go. <laughs> Way. Yeah. Oh, I, I'll be sad because although we, you know, have a bit of fun with Nicholas Latifi and when we do our post-race podcast and stuff, like you say, he does genuinely seem like the sweetest soul. And he's taken so long, I feel, to come out of his shell and sort of reveal his personality. I think, as I've said before, it all leads back to the video he put on his Instagram where he showed us his Nutella obsession. Honestly, that was all it took for people to be like, oh my God, this guy's actually really sweet. Because whereas before, the only thing I knew about Nicholas Latifi is that he was Canadian and he had a rich dad. Yeah. But now I know he's Canadian, he has a rich dad, and he loves Nutella. So it's, he, co- he, it's he comes okay. across really well in those grill grid videos that F1 do as well. Yeah. He's always he, he always like comes across really well in them. I personally what a sweetheart. Well, we'll have to Aww. wait and see. <laughs> I know. Oh, it's like I just love Nicholas DP. But yeah, we'll um we'll have to see how this all works out after FP1 and hear what Nick's got to say. Um, and talking of Formula E, the segue of all segues. You do guys. regularly. <laughs> yes, I do all the time. Um, McLaren, that little unknown team, are going to be joining Formula E from next year. Woo! Or from this year, I guess, because it's the start of the season at the end yeah. of the year. So next that's season. very exciting. They will be taking over the Mercedes team, which is who Nick DeVries actually races for at the moment. And yeah, that's this is something that's been rumoured for quite a long time. And then McLaren went to Extreme E, so a lot of people thought mm, maybe they're not going to pursue the Formula E adventure. But they are, which is super, super cool. And uh, I'm obviously a little bit biased as somebody who likes Formula E myself, but this is... Great news to have another manufacturer joining the championship because they're all leaving. (laughs) Quite a lot are leaving at the moment, including Mercedes, which, like I said, is who they're taking over from. So, yeah. What do you think to that? You watch some Formula E, don't you, Tommy? I do where I can. I missed it this weekend because I was watching something else. Football? What clashed with Formula E? I can't remember. There was definitely football on. Yeah. And my wedding anniversary. Oh, yeah, that's quite important. Um, quite important. Um, so, that's yeah, slide. Uh, I didn't watch it this weekend, but no, I do. I do try and watch it as much as I can. And uh, yeah, McLaren, McLaren are just taking over motorsport at the moment, aren't they? Doing everything. Next up, Brown NASCAR. Fingers and a lot of pies. Yeah, NASCAR, maybe Le Mans. I am. I'd rather them do Le Mans as someone that maybe loves Le Mans a little bit more. Uh, than Formula E, but no, McLaren uh, joining Formula E is only a good thing. And like you say, if they're a lot of these manufacturers are leaving, it's probably a good idea that uh, they get a big name in. It's good for the sport, especially with those very bizarre cars that they're uh, oh, racing. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What, what do you think to them? Because I've looked at it and from some angles, it looks quite cool, but it's the, the kind of top not quite top down, but looking straight at it where it looks like a, a cheese wedge. 
Yeah, I've heard lots of things. I've heard paper airplanes. It looks like yeah. something from Robot Wars, which I mean, I'm game for that because I freaking love Robot Wars. Flippers, uh, introduce flippers and weapons to the oh cars. God, imagine no more attack mode. You just get to click a button and it flips you. <laughs> no, attack mode is attack mode. Like they they get to attack each other. Oh, yeah. And then there's just a pit in the middle of the circuit that you can push people into. No, we're getting yeah. too excited about Robot Wars here. Um, yeah, I think... Yeah, literally. You know where we are. Um, yeah, I, I think it will take some getting used to. The aesthetics of the car aren't my favourite. I'm going to miss the Gen 2 look so much because that really was like Batmobile. It was so different to anything I'd ever seen from a single-seater championship. And... Yeah, they were great. But in terms of the actual technology underneath the car, I know it's a bit boring and it's a bit nerdy, but it is going to be much faster. It's going to be lighter. It's got some really interesting like powertrain technology, which is going to be great if that can be sort of followed through into road cars and helping with that kind of side of thing. But yeah, the aesthetics of it wasn't taken aback by it massively. Also the fact that we've now lost, well, we're going to lose the wheel covers. I'm already thinking this is going to be drama because these mm. guys and girls in Formula E, they love a bit of bumper cars, you know, rubbing up against each other. And it's been fine because we've had wheel covers for, you know, the Gen 2 car, but now they're gone. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, it's going to be absolute mayhem. There's going to be cars flying everywhere. So we'll wait and see. But I'm yeah. sure that these drivers are more than capable of behaving themselves. I'm not going to treat them like they're little toddlers or anything like that. But yeah, I think with McLaren as well, they haven't announced a driver lineup yet. Plenty of possibilities. Um, somebody Ricardo. I think they'd be daft. <laughs> Who? Daniel Ricciardo. No, Daniel Ricciardo. Do you know what? There were so many comments I saw of people being like, oh, that's nice that they've got something ready for Daniel when he loses his oh. the end of the year. No, as much as I'd love to see Danny Rick in Formula E because then that would be nice. But <laughs> um, in, I don't think they'll move into Formula E. That would be like no, the initial no. emotions. Um, but they've got some real good talent that has uh, is either still in Formula E. Oliver Turvey is a current development and test driver for McLaren. He's been in Formula E since pretty much day dot. He's with Neo at the moment, which is one of the back teams. Um, he's had some good results, but he really needs to have the opportunity to be in a fast car. And I have no doubt that he'll be able to deliver some good stuff. So he needs opportunities to get fan base because isn't he one of the guys that just never gets? Yeah, he, I don't think he just he doesn't really care. He's not yeah, really, like active on social media compared to somebody like DeCosta or Van Dorn that's like all the time <laughs> give me fan boost on every Instagram story. I Oliver think it's sad when it goes it. when it goes through the list and it's like. Van Dorn got 40% of the vote, uh, like Eurovision. Uh, like De Costa got that. And then you get to like Turvey and it's like zero. And you're like, oh, his mum didn't even vote for him. <laughs> Maybe. But yeah, I don't think he cares too much about that. So I think he could be a really good shout because he's got so much experience. And then somebody that keeps being rumoured. And although it would mean yanking him from IndyCar. No. And he's maybe... Felix Rosenquist. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say Power Award. Oh, he no, no, no. The, yeah, don't let <laughs> him go. Felix used to be in Formula E. He was with Mahindra and he was a little pocket rocket because he was so fast. And also, he's just a generally lovely guy and got on really well in the Formula E paddock. So it's whether he would want to come back to Formula E or whether he's quite happy with IndyCar. It uh, would be waiting to see. Um, 
But yeah, there's plenty of opportunities for McLaren for some good drivers. And also the driver market in Formula E at the moment is completely up in the air. So it's very exciting. I look forward to seeing who they pick. They might just pick some somebody completely new. You never know. Why not? Why not? Do a bit like they did with their Extreme E and pick two people that you were like, who are they? I've never heard <laughs> of them before. Apart from, is it Tanner? Tanner Faust. Yeah, he's from yeah. Top Gear or something. I don't know. Yeah, everyone, everyone knew him from... Was it US Top Gear or U- yeah. Australian Top Gear? I can't remember. But yeah. Yeah. Maybe they go completely off the wall with it and just hire someone unexpected. Is that Brown in the car to yeah. race for them? That would be interesting. Uh, so yeah, that's the McLaren joining Formula E news roundup. And finally, let's finish on a lovely note, which was Sebastian oh. Vettel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so <not> funny. <laughs> Why am I laughing? Sebastian Vettel on BBC's Question Time. Um, I don't know if this is going to sound really like patronizing, but for maybe some listeners that aren't from the UK, I don't know if you'll have Question Time where you are, but it's basically a political TV show that's on every week where a load of politicians just argue with each other for an hour and then it finishes. And normally I stay well clear of that because it's just like, and then somebody else is, and it's just like, oh my God, it's like, banging your head against the wall but Sebastian Vettel was on it so we were like I'm gonna tune in and my whole timeline was people watching question time either for the first time or they haven't watched it in years so hopefully there's a spike in the audience numbers uh but yeah Seb was on there talking mainly about the environmental side of things rather than getting like his hands dirty talking about UK politics which I don't know he had a little he had a little dig Brexit was it wasn't it Brexit where he said like you've you've voted for this so deal with it um mic drop moment no he was good on it wasn't he he was he was brilliant and I think Formula One are lucky to have such a good spokesperson about it the part of him being like so are you a hypocrite then if you're going on about all these you know renewable energy sources and yet you drive a gas guzzling f1 car and all this kind of stuff and he did say yeah I am a hypocrite but at least I'm a hypocrite that's using my platform, platform. to talk about yeah. good, which is true. Um, but yeah, he did a brilliant job, didn't he, Seb? He handled that really well, actually, that question, because that is the elephant in the room, isn't it, where a lot of people that don't watch Formula One or or don't really know anything about Sebastian Vettel are probably like, why is this like guy who drives cars around the world so like passionate about the environment and stuff? Because it could seem, yeah, like does seem hypocritical, so... Uh, the fact that he answered that question and he was just generally like really good and it's a brave call. You know, we've we've had uh drivers and they they don't wanna they don't wanna get their hands dirty or like put their foot in it uh with anything. And you know, you have they have these PR people surrounding them all the time to make sure they don't say the wrong thing or or that and then they've just really thrown him in at the deep end obviously he wanted to do it which is great um but very brave from him to yeah be thrown into the deep end and get all these questions and get involved and I think he was he was brilliant and he will be very much missed the day he retires I hope he I hope he gets involved some way still with Formula One because they need personalities like him in F1 they really do I hope he can somehow stick with the GPDA in that role. And then maybe there's more of a branch between a representative for the drivers and the FIA, because that's certainly, I'm going off here on a tangent, but that's one thing that I've noticed 
especially after Miami, is I have never seen so many drivers be critical of the FIA and the way they've handled things over the Miami Grand Prix weekend, whether that's fitting the tech pro barriers, like Lando Norris was saying, you know, we drive these cars, we there's going to be some things that we inevitably know more about and are more aware of than people sat in their offices. So they need to listen to us more. Um, and then same thing with like the track surfaces. George Russell was saying that they wanted a change to the pit entry um, that didn't happen, all this kind of stuff. So if Seb could stick around and sort of be a middleman for like the whole thing, then I feel like that would be a good role for him to sort of be comfortable with. And then he can do a bit of chat with Sky Sports and like a Nico Rosberg <laughs> role or yeah, I don't know, help him with other bits and bobs, maybe doing some litter picking in the between sessions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah all singing or dancing legend really but yeah basically he can't move otherwise i'll be really upset and i'll go on strike and you can't you can't upset the author that's just not right (laughs) oh dear when do you think the day will be that i'm not tired of the author jokes (laughs) (laughs) no it's all good um right well that was a nice little newsy roundup, even though I say so myself. Tommy, have you got anything else that you want to mention that happened over the weekend that you want to talk about? Just get off your chest. You know, we're all friends here. Nope. Okay. Well, on that note, uh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks everyone for listening. And we will return for many a podcast this week. We've also, I don't know if we're allowed to say, Tommy. Do We've it. got some really exciting ideas Plans, in the pipeline. Yeah. yeah. So if you're a fan of the WTF1 podcast, then make sure you're following us on all our socials or checking the website because, guys, you are not ready for the podcast we are about to drop on you. They are going <laughs> to be amazing. So hopefully I haven't overhyped it too much there. But uh, lots of really exciting things on the way. And as ever, whatever platform you're listening to, drop us a like, give us five stars, leave us a wonderful comment if you are a legend, which you all are if you're listening to this and you got this far through the podcast. Well done, you. (laughs) And uh, we'll see you for another episode, maybe a Spanish Grand Prix preview. Tell me what you're saying. Sounds good to me. Yeah, perfect. Well, thanks again for listening, guys, and we'll see you very soon. Bye. 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 Bye.